Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends and partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Pipe, you are back fresh off the uh, SBC convention, um, which was a time of refreshment and renewal and encouragement for you. Which That's right. Is, it's, it's such a um, non-contentious, absolutely. friendly, unified environment with, full of people with good fashion sense and fitness Absolutely. And healthy emotional lives and and really, really positive views of other genders. It's wonderful. I love the whole and thing. And what's crazy is that like just, you know, being on social media all week, I haven't I mean I haven't seen a hair about this anywhere. Nobody's posted a thing no. about SPC hashtag. No, no journalists there. No uh, no controversies between prominent leaders of any kind. I mean it's it felt it felt semi miraculous. Business as usual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Non-contentious. It's nothing to see here. Been no reason to drive three it, and a half hours to Atlanta every evening just to sign have me up for the SBC. Sign me up. It's uh, it's my favorite event every year for all of these reasons. I just, I just adore it so much. It's, there it's wonderful. There it is, Barnabas Piper, positive man. And uh, in that in that vein, Pipe, in the vein of positivity and things that and you're men. excited about, and and men, <laughs> absolutely, and men. Uh, we have one more week with a sponsor, and uh, I want you to give it uh, the Michael Jordan treatment, just the full-on uh, promo read treatment. And then, and then, Piper, I have a follow-up question. Do we have uh, any business in the pipeline? Do we have new sponsors waiting, or uh, are we in a bit of a lull here business-wise? We, we have – the summer's a bit of a lull. We have some lined up a little bit for later in the fall, some more, uh, more publishing books. But if, if you are a ministry or a business or we've had individuals who want to promote something, we're happy to have those conversations with you. Uh, we, we will turn down the occasional sponsor if it's not a good fit, but – most of the time, we want to figure out how to make it work. So if you hit us up at happyrentpodcast at gmail.com, I'll usually respond within a month. I'm a little slow, but, uh, you know, I'll get back to you eventually, and we'll, we'll line something up. You know what I think it's time for, sponsor-wise? What's that? I'm ready to get some awesome free stuff. Like, we've, we've done a lot of books, and I, I love that. I love getting money from, from Christian publishers, but um, I don't know. I, I, would like, I would like some free stuff. So I think we need to line up that kind of You know of one of my greatest sponsorship disappointments is with this podcast? What, dude? The leather goods company we never could get the sponsorship <sighs> off the ground like three years ago. The craft leather dude, thing. Right. I was like, I could use a new belt or wallet or like dude, or you a know, bag, messenger like a bag. bag. Yeah. yeah, Dude, we absolutely. need Saddleback Leather to jump on board, man. I already, I've already paid them about nine grand for half their product. So I'd, I'd love to get something. Baby, I don't want you something. paying for leather anymore, okay? I, I would we love could... to not pay for leather anymore. No, I'd love to be there, a free recipient of leather products. Aren't there like 4,000 of these hipster leather goods places in Nashville? Can't we like swing a cat in any direction in that town and hit some little hipster who's making leather stuff? I feel like this we, – we should be falling out of bed in the morning into like leather goods. I yeah. feel um, like Nashville is more carpet. like hemp. It's a lot of hemp and canvas because leather harms animals, you know? It, oh, it, yeah. There's a, there's a distinct implication that an animal died to make a leather guy. Right, but we'll do canvas. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not like an anti-canvas guy. Dude, no, I'm pro-canvas. We're all pro-canvas boys. But I, I think we got to get a little more Texan or a little more Midwestern where they don't care about killing yeah, animals. What do they, do with, all, what what do they uh, do with all the hides of the cows from Texas craft steaks? Like, do they well, do that's what I'm saying. What does those? Chandler do? What does Chandler do after he murders all those cows and produces all of his craft steaks? Where does that leather go? Dude, Channy needs to partner with a wafy little hipster who can use Chandler all Leather. Chandler Leathers. That's incredible. I mean, he's right baby. up the he's right up the interstate from Austin. There's more hipsters in Austin than there are in Nashville, and that's saying Absolutely. something. So yeah, I feel like somebody there could turn these into uh, 
like coasters and bags and belts and you know medallions and and flat brimmed hats. Hey, I'll tell what you else. what, man. Why can we just okay getting off the leather thing, but closely connected to it? Why hasn't Maddie Chan done a little promo on our show for his steak company, Maddie Chan? If you're listening, we're happy to promo your steak, and though. we know you are. And Boys, we I don't want are. us paying for steaks anymore either. It could correct. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, I just, I'll, we will, we just want the whole cow processed. We want all the meat. We want all the leather. We want all of it. Just send it our way. That'll be our payment. The whole cow is processed appropriately. Pipe, come on, man. Promo Hall of the Mountain King, would you? All right. Well, you know, pivoting back to the conversation about the, the wonderful event that I was at recently. The book is The Rise of the Servant Kings. And I can think of more than a handful of Southern Baptist men who could stand to read this book. Because this is a book about servant leadership and being a humble man and the character of Christ in manhood. It's written by Ken Harrison. It is published by Waterbrook Multnomah. They're the actual sponsor, so thank you, Waterbrook Multnomah. And it's uh, so Ken Harrison is involved in Promise Keepers, which, as we've discussed previously, still does in fact exist and has sort of morphed into more of a online community resourcing as opposed to the big stadium events of the 90s, which seems to be the way everything is going. Stadium events are going away unless your name is Joel Osteen. Uh, we should bring basically. back stadium events, boys. Really? Let's do a happy rant live we? in a stadium. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. You know, let's, we could go to the Silverdome, or did they knock exactly. it down? Exactly, they knocked it down. Uh, yeah, bummer. we could have done that a couple. Missed years. our window. Yeah, but yes, Rise of the Servant Kings is the book. What the Bible says about being a man. It is. It's looking at the deep Christ-like character of manhood, much more than sort of the seven steps to being a better man or the warrior manhood. Although there is a sword on the cover, and that's a little bit uncomfortable to me. Mm. But is that I, toxic masculinity, Piper? Well, Which, which yes. you would know about, because you spent like 48 hours as a toxic man. What, or with, That's true, I did. I tweeted something that, that offended lots of people, so I'm a toxic man, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is servant king, not warrior king which mm. would be an entirely different and very toxic thing. Anyway, listeners, go check this out. If you know Southern Baptist men who could use this book, send Rise of the Serving Kings to your favorite toxic man for Father's Day, <laughs> although you, this will probably release after Father's Day. So send it to them as a late Father's Day gift. Uh, it's available now go. from anywhere you buy books. Check it out. Mm. Good stuff, Pipe. Economical, too. Um, which just, right which, which means rushed. Yeah, which means rushed and furtive. Exactly. <laughs> Boys, we've got some uh, some interesting creativity-related topics to suss out today, and I like doing this with you guys because we're, um, you know, we're all are or were people who made our, our livings doing creative things, and um, these are these are always fun things to suss out. So uh, I want to start with, um, with with one that hits a little close to home, um, and I want to ask the following question: Are writers ever done? Um, Asking for a friend, actually, no, maybe just asking for myself, because I think I might be done. Um, I think after, you know, many, many years and X number of books, like, um, it, it might be over. And is, is that a thing that uh, that happens to writers? Is it okay to be done? Is it okay to say, like, I don't have anything else to say, so I'm just done? What do you, what do you guys think? Or do you think, like, we should keep writing books as long as we can get deals? I mean, I think... I think the answer – I mean I don't think there's an answer that's like a blanket for everybody, but I certainly yeah. think some writers finish and I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of writers who should finish because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who put out books because because they've they sort can. of backed themselves into an expectation corner or a publishing contract corner and they don't have anything to say. 
and they keep trying yeah. to say stuff or they say the same thing over and over again. Um, but then you get like there are some classic books, classic novels, To Kill a Mockingbird, for example, that were the only significant published work by that author. So they said yeah. what they had to say and then they just were like, well, I'm going to move on and live the rest of my life doing something else. Um, I think there's a weird expectation on people who write now that it sort of always be writing as, as yeah. instead of recognizing that like writing has a scope, it's not right. a, it's not a lifestyle. It's a, right. it's a, it's a project. So projects yep. have completion times and completion dates and like stories have arcs and they're supposed to come to an end. And so at some point, the only reason to keep writing is if you have something to say and you love it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah go do something else. Yeah. I mean, you're not like always be mowing the lawn. Even if it doesn't need it, get out there, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, or, or always, yeah, just there, there's nothing in life that you should always be doing besides like maintenance things. You yeah. know, you should always be, you know, eating healthy or exercising or keeping your house clean or whatever. But, but those aren't projects. Those are, those are like, we have to keep coming back to them to keep things up. That's not how writing works. Like once it's set, it's set. It's a creative work. Yeah. It's done. You know, or, or it's, yeah, and you, it's not like always be editing. No, at some point you just, you, you hit send, you, you go to the publisher, you're done. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think the only reason to keep writing is there's an inner sort of enjoyment compulsion and yeah. you have something definitive to say. Yeah, that's right. Ronald, when we were texting about this, you said you had, uh, you, you had the answer to this question. Um, and I'm dying to hear it. Lay it on me. Baby, I think it's like this, right? So I, I agree with what Pipe said, um, although I don't like the word project, but I actually agree with what he said. Baby, um, why don't you like the word project? Because he's an Enneagram 4, that's why. Because it just it, it uh, makes it sound dismissive, right? Um, wait, more wait, dismissive hold up, hold up. Suss that out. Why, just cause I didn't mean it as a dismissive thing, so I want to know why it sounds dismissive to you. I'll, I'll adjust my wording if that actually is a dismissive You word. don't need to adjust your wording, Pipe. Project, to me, has connotations of – Something that is um, – there was nothing there. We built it. We finished it. We forget about it. And I feel like writing has the ability but isn't that to exactly on. how it works though? No, no. I but mean, you want but you want writing to be something that like continues – that has yeah. that has like a, a – it's not a shelf life thing. It's something that can continue to, uh, you know, to grow and to but, be but you the, know, formed in people's minds and hearts. But and, the writing itself is a project. Like, you know, you got to do a book. It's whatever, 10 chapters, 40,000 words, 50,000 words. And you, yeah, the writing itself you complete is, is that. project. And like for me, I forget the things that I've written. There is an element right. of not, not dismissively forget, but like there's sure. a life moves forward and that's a thing that happened in the past. It's and a so, project for the writer, right. maybe not for the reader. And that's, I guess well, that's didn't. the perspective I was coming from. I, I mean, I hope that things that I've written still resonate with people. Whatever yeah. my, I guess my first book came out five years ago this month. Yeah. So, um, and, and so, yeah, like I, I hope those still resonate. Yeah. Even industry-wise, though, the book comes out, you get like three weeks of hard promo, and then they're immediately on to the next thing. Um, so, so in that sense, it is – from their standpoint, like probably the very definition of a project. Because the, again, yeah, they're, they're looking at it. They're looking at it from a business perspective. Yeah. So. They get done with your project and then it's on yeah. to somebody else's, you know, that hopefully will sell more copies. But, uh, never, but nevertheless, think, baby, you were, you were on your way to answering this for me. No, but I think, so I, I think, you know, I think writing is seasonal. Um, I think mm -hmm. people that write, 
I think some people write and it doesn't necessarily come from more like artistic leaning inside of them. It's, it's a little more uh, utilitarian. It's a little more tactile. It, it really yeah. depends on what you're writing. But I remember somebody told me this ages ago. Um, you know, uh, somebody told me that he said a, a true artist creates art. Like it's not something that he can just stop doing. It's something that's always coming out of him. It doesn't mean it's perpetually coming out of him like every minute of every day. But yeah. I think if you're writing from the pers- if you're writing from the perspective of, you know, wanting to discover things or explore things because of something that's birthed in you that you then have something to say, then whether it happens like once every, you know, one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, at some point, because it's something that births in you and you have to get it out of you as a writer, you're, you're going to continue to, to write. And, and again, that doesn't has nothing to do with whether it gets published or anybody hears it. It's almost like something that you have to do because it's something unexplored and undiscovered in you. And the way it becomes explored and discovered is by coming out of you and writing, you know, from you. And so I think with you, baby, I think at some point you might just be in a season where you just don't, you don't have anything to say. There's nothing unexplored in you, but at some point, because I look at your writing as being a little more artistically driven. That's my opinion Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. At some point, you're um, you're, you're going to catch some level of inspiration that's going to 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 cause, you know, whatever births inside of you births inside of you as a result of that to need to come out of you. Right. Yeah. And that's really the definition of art in a lot of ways. It's like you have something that needs to be said because you want to say it and it'll yeah. it'll eventually come out. Just maybe not today, maybe not next year. Maybe at some point down the road, it, it will it will uh, inspire again. But uh, that would be my take on it. I'm um, yeah. a true writer. Never stops writing. And never by never stops writing means they might write a bunch of things that nobody ever hears about or ever gets published. Or, but or there's the you know there's the very significant and nebulous part of the writing process, which is idea generation, and yeah. which is I don't buy into inspiration very much, uh, at least not the way a lot of people talk about it, because I feel like I feel like that's sort of waiting for magic to happen, and that's kind of nonsense. But I disagree. But go on. I, don't, I, I think, think I disagree I think, too, Ron. I think inspiration is real, but it's it's like the thing that's it, it starts you moving and then the work is what keeps it moving. I don't think inspiration drives you all the way through a writing to completion of a writing. I don't want to use the word project because I will be dismissing somebody apparently. But it, <laughs> the completion of the writing arc, whatever that is, nonfiction mm-hmm. book, article, whatever it is. Inspiration it takes work. It takes work. Inspiration right. starts you, work finishes the project. Yeah. But – but anybody who thinks in the mindset of a writer or probably filmmaker or songwriter, you're sort of looking and listening all the time for ideas or stories or phrases or something that you go, yeah. that's the hook. That's Dude, the I'll hook give you, to, to whatever, I need, whatever I'm going to write next. I'll give you an example from yesterday. So I was, uh, I was on the phone with my college roommate, um, dear friend, one of, one of my best friends. We talk frequently and – uh, one of the things we do from time to time, not not often, but every once in a while, we'll like Google people that we went to college with just to like see what they're what they're up to. And we Googled this guy who was the consummate like he was that guy who was always networking, even in college. He was always dating girls with like dads who were way richer than his dad and and like going on ski trips that he couldn't afford. And he he was this guy and he he did this guy put in like a decade in quote unquote ministry um, which he would now call like the, the NGO or cause space. And, um, anyway, he now has a company and we looked at his company's website for like 20 minutes and it was this indecipherable word salad of like 2019 business terms. 
um, like influence and relationships and, and, um, you know, just all these words that used to mean different things like scale, scaling, um, or, or used to mean something. They used to mean something, but now mean like totally different things. And, uh, and, and so we looked at this, we kind of had a, had a big laugh over it. Um, and then I ended up writing about it. I wrote this like column for the paper that's like a 2019 business term translator. Um, so what the, what the words used to mean, what they actually mean now, you know, it was fun, but that, but that's an example of inspiration, right? Um, you know, definitely not enough there to like power a book or even a long article, but it was enough for seven or 800 words. Well, right. And like um, the, the book that I'm working on right now, the happiness book on happiness and expectations, the, there, I remember a conversation I had with a guy and it's the only time I've ever talked to the guy. I don't even know. I don't even remember his name. And we were talking about work and he said, you know, do you love your job? And I said, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I, I appreciate my coworkers. I'm doing work that I find significant, but I'm not like jumping out of my skin excited for work. Yeah. And he looked yeah. at me and goes, man, you need to find a new job. You need to find something you're passionate about. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's terrible advice. Was it's, this guy under the age of 25? No, he was my age, which was oh, even wow. more disappointing to me. Because I'm like, weird. you are supposed to be a grown-up. Um, yeah. But also, he just sort of lives in the Nashville creative space where there's a lot of that that nonsense thinking and people who yeah. people who can't make a living because they're waiting for the perfect thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and Dude, I don't why believe, is that nonsense thinking so attractive? It I don't be, because because happiness matters more than money to people. I think. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they're also, and this, the, thus the inspiration for the book, going back to inspiration yeah. is kind of that question. Like what gets somebody to think that way? What is he hanging his hopes on? And, and what's a realistic expectation for the life of a 30 something dad, which he is as well. Yeah. And, and just, so yeah, that's inspiration like that, because that's something I can come back to perpetually and go, okay, that's, it's that kind of question that I'm trying to address. You know, if I get bogged down in a mess of like Bible verses and ideas and where was I even going with this and why am I doing this? Oh, it's that question. Um, and there's so and in that sense, I do believe in inspiration. I guess what I meant by inspiration is more like the, the emotional momentum does yeah, not for sure. does not carry you through to effective completion of a creative work. Yeah. I think you're still totally steer, you're still steering too far with that comment pipe. Really? Really? I think so. Yeah. Because if I'm not feeling if I have to, I, I keep waiting for that emotion to kind of keep driving me or else the writing becomes too clinical and it becomes too information driven. It becomes too luxury for me. I'm not saying that happens to you, but so I'm always looking for sort of, I need that inspirational, emotional component. That's just the way I'm wired. And I need that to like, for the writing or the, the song, right? I, I need that for it to sort of come to completion in the way that is satisfying to me. And it actually communicates what I want communicated. See, that's interesting because I, I draw a distinction between inspiration and motivation. And maybe that's an utterly semantic thing to most people. It might be. It might, I would say it is. From the way I look at it, I would, for me, I would say it is. Yeah, so, yeah, for me, for me, inspiration is the starting point. Motivation is the why of the project, which sounds real closely related to what you just said, I think, because that's the thing you sort of harken back to and go, what's the purpose of this? What's the drive? Like, why am I sitting here on hour number six on a Saturday when I could be doing anything else? Oh, it's this. This is the purpose. And so, which motivation, inspiration, I guess I don't really, maybe, maybe there's not a distinction there, but for me that that's a motivating factor, sort of honing back in on that, that, that purpose of things that does give the, okay, we're going to keep driving 
and and also it does it, it breathes life into things a little bit but that might not be at all different than what you're describing it might not be i think for me it, like that never changes so i from project to project my motivation is that i want people to actually receive my this particular expression right so it's like it doesn't need to be more so again everybody's going to have a different motivation right so for me i i have something in me that i want to get out of me and i want people to enjoy this particular moment of expression, um, you know, to get arty about it. Right. And, um, so that, that is always the motivator for me. It's just, I have something now that has to get out. I have an idea. I want other people to benefit, to enjoy, to receive the idea mm-hmm. and the expression. So, I mean, it, it doesn't have to even be more high-minded than that for me. You know, gotcha. they, they can decide how high-minded they want it to be, you know, so other right. people will be like dismissive of it, whatever. It was fine. Other people, I hate it. Other people, greatest thing of all time. That's why I'm okay with anybody having any opinion about it because it's like, well, well okay, here it is. Well, and I, I think also what what comes out of this conversation is just the very distinct different ways people approach writing. I mean, any, or any probably any creative work. I'm not, I don't delve deeply into into other other kinds, but the things that drive you are not exactly the things that drive me. Although I would bet if you did a Venn diagram, it's like an eighty percent overlap. Probably is. And then that 20% is more the that motivation, inspiration, feeling, you know, connection with an audience, those things that are a little that that are completely intangible, but are essential to the whole the whole process and, and completing of the work. And then you have to talk about, again, the way the way you might interpret motivation also lends itself to the fear of people receiving it, um, which then affects even you know, your, your motivating process. Right. So I, I want to write that, but I'm going to pull back a little bit because I'm afraid of the comments or the way it's going to be received. So, I mean, all this stuff is sort of, it's inextricably linked in some ways, right. In terms of how we, how we go about creating and then how we decide what we want to include and exclude and all of those types of things. It's, it's kind of complex really. Do you guys, do you guys think of yourselves as sort of fearful writers in terms of, like you said, sort of holding back because of how people receive it or, they make just that sense of uh, insecurity or imposter syndrome or something where you're, you're writing something and there's, do you have a great sense of nervousness about putting that out there for people or writing things in a certain way that might not land well? Or do you just have the confidence to kind of be like, no, I I said what I said. Uh, No, I'm, I'm, I'm not nervous. I, I I think for me, like it's not on a book to book or a piece by piece basis. For me, it's more like, do I even want to be a writer anymore given the way things are now? So it's, I, I guess it's more of a macro question of what does it mean to be a writer today versus what did it mean to be a writer 10 years ago? And, and, um, but if I find, if I actually decide to write something, I do it, you know, 95% without fear. You know, I, I think there's always that little niggling, like, how is this going to land moment? And if you don't have that, you're probably a sociopath, but <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I, w- I would say that once I decide to write, it mostly gets pulled off, you know, outside of fear. What, what about you, Ron? Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's a great question. I think, um, for me, and again, it goes back to my own internal wiring, but I think I, my fear would be that I'm not going to be as known as I want whatever I'm releasing to make me known as. So oh. in other words, I want it to be, I want it to be understood the way I'm writing it to be understood Right. And so, and that's almost, that's more of an angst, 
you know, that's almost more of an irritation, you know, maybe being irritated with the audience. Like they're, they're going to misinterpret this. They're going to misinterpret it. And so, and then, then you start writing to make sure it's interpreted the right way, but then it, it, then it almost takes the soul out of it a little bit or sure. Right. That's, that's when you get into all like the nuances and caveats instead of like making a, a bold claim or a, a statement with some teeth to it. You start filing the teeth down by being like, but also this. Well, also it could be understood this way. And then there's this perspective, and you've immediately turned it into a you know Gospel Coalition article, well, which, is well, here's, usually, which is usually sort of really flat on a creative standpoint. That's a great example. Yeah. I wrote um, – this was a couple of years ago. I wrote a couple of pieces um, for a couple different you know, pubs like Gospel Coalition, and I forget, a couple other ones. And all of them – but it was kind of the same piece, and Gospel Coalition was like we don't – we're not really getting a clear enough, you know, you know, uh, meaning or understanding through this. And I said, well, the, the piece is meant to be a little ethereal in nature, right? It's, it's supposed to be a little more emotive driven. And so I'm not looking for just, you know, here's my three points at the end. And they just didn't like that. And somebody else. It's because you uh, use the word emotion with the Gospel Coalition. Correct. That's and, and a hard that's, no for them. Uh, but I mean, another, another um, it was another online thing like TGC. And they said the same thing. They said, we get where you're going, but we wish it was clear. And I said, well, what if the intention is for it not to be clear? But, you know, and I'm saying all the wrong words with that, of course. And then it was it was somebody else that grabbed it. This uh, other online pub that was a little more open minded, like Fathom magazine or something like that. One of those. But they embraced it like fully. They didn't even edit it. They said, oh, we Mm -hmm. love it. We'd love you to write more stuff like this for. So it's funny that just the different again, everybody's going to receive things differently. And it took like three it took like three offerings before one person finally said, I get exactly what you're doing here and we love it and we want to release it. Right. And uh, I mean, I, I had the same experience. I mean, I, we probably all have with book proposals where it goes from publisher to publisher. And I had one publisher with my current, the current project who, who read it as exactly the opposite of what I was trying to say. Like I thought I was mm-hmm. pretty clear in the proposal, like I'm trying to accomplish these things. And they came back and said, no, what it sounds like is you're saying this. <laughs> and I was like, that, no, no, I specifically said that's not what I'm doing. So I don't know what they missed. And then and then others who are just like, I don't really get it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well that's then it's not for you because I don't want to work with a publisher who doesn't get it. That right. also they also don't want to work with me, so that worked well, out. Well yeah, okay. then it's then it's a then it's it's a mutuality then. Right. But baby, let me ask you this, man. When you talk yeah. about not wanting to write, is it is it more of sort of the engine of the publishing industry that tends to really make you feel like Man, you don't even want to contribute anything to that because you know what they're going to do with it. Dude, I think that's part of it, but it's it's not even that angsty, right? Okay. Like it, it would it would almost be sexier if it was that angsty because then okay. I would be like creating my own underground thing or whatever on, on the side. But I, I think it's more just maybe it's run its course, you know, like maybe – and it may have been sort of a, a, a similar – uh, I guess divorce is too strong of a word, but a, a similar kind of uh, reimagining of the relationship that you had with the music industry where you put out a bunch of records and in my case, you put out a bunch of books and it's just like not as fun anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the the thrill is not there and there's really like one kind of thing that I still enjoy doing. It's writing these little graphic novels with uh, with Harvest House, which I hope I'll I'll do a bunch more of those. But like that's the fun thing in writing that I hope I get to keep doing. And, and really all the other stuff, like I have no desire to ever write a nonfiction book proposal anymore and, and go, Oh, I hope this really makes it. I hope they get it. You know, 
Um, and maybe that'll come back. You know, I, I hope it'll come back. But um, but as of right well, now, I would say then I would say that you're answering your own question, though, because in that yeah. sense, you are, you are writing. You've just discovered a new channel um, of writing that is enjoyable. So that's what you're pursuing right now. It's not yeah. any it's not any more valid or invalid than anything else you've done. It's just it's just yeah, it's a different. particular groove right now. And you, you like being in it. Stay in it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, just man. Hopefully. Yeah. So along those lines, boys, do we. I, I think one of the things that writers use to prop themselves up, right? I mean, there's all these little emotional coping mechanisms that writers use, but one of them is calling themselves artists and thinking of themselves as artists. Um, is there a difference between being a writer and an artist or are writers like inherently artists? And are you comfortable with that term? I, I'm not comfortable with it. Um, I think that's more of a function of growing up in Indiana than maybe any anything real or not real about it but like calling yourself an artist just seems like unbelievably pretentious and fay in a way that i'm not comfortable with but um what do you guys think about this are writers artists or is there a distinction i don't know the distinction i make is that no i don't think all writers are artists i think writing like songwriting and some of these painting i think it's an artistic expression so mm-hmm. it's create it's creating something out of nothing in some ways. You know, I know you can break that down as well, yeah. but I think it's cre- it's creating something from scratch that you want other people to enjoy and and listen to or look at. And um, it doesn't mean that everything. It doesn't mean that every artistic expression um, I think lands as 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 sort of an equal sort of, you know, how we might define something to be considered art or not, you know, certainly yeah. it can be one person's art could be another person's, you know, um, non-art. Right. Um, so I think there's too many ways to break it down. I do think it's an artistic expression in that it's making something, it's creating something out of nothing. However it lands, I mean, you're going to see greater expressions, more original expressions of that art that's going to create something that's going to be far more inspirational to many other people that's going to cause them then to want to be, you know, to express themselves in, the, in those same ways. But um, I, yeah, it, it's, I think there's too many nuances in it. And I think, um, you know, I, I think this idea of wanting to be, you know, perceived as, as an artist um, instead of just, you know, getting down to the thing that you want to express is, is probably less important, you know, in the end. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think this would agree with what Ronnie's saying. But <clears throat> writing is you know, writing is use of a resource. It's use of vocabulary to communicate something. But so like painting is use of paint to to do a task. Or, you know, so like painting, you can paint a wall that's very utilitarian and a very good use of paint. You know, you, you turn a, an ugly wall into a pleasant wall. But that's not artistic. That's just utilitarian. You can paint a sign that's, that, that maybe can have some artistic elements if you do it with some, with some style. But again, it's, it's really just more craftsmanship than it is artistry. Or you can be like, you know, Monet. And all of a sudden, oh, that's, that's definitively art. That's a creative thing that's doing something new, that's eliciting feeling, there's an expression there. And not, not all – some writing is simply a communication of information. There's nothing artistic about that. It doesn't right. make it bad writing. It just means right. it serves its purpose, and its purpose is to communicate something. I think anything that can be called art has to elicit feeling mm-hmm. or to, to move somebody in a non – kind of – a non-articulated way in, you know, so 
a it makes you feel a thing that you you didn't feel previously and and so you can be an informational writer who who there's some of that in there there's sort of a sweeping element to it but most writing is much more explanatory inspirational uh you know kind of thing and when i say inspirational it's more like like a coach's inspirational not like art is inspirational it's like get out there and do this thing Mm-hmm. very little writing is like you just sit back and go wow that that moved me for how it was written yeah not could just probably, what it said but how it was said right yeah yeah for sure you can probably count on one hand the number of authors that make you feel that way um and i think that that how it was said aspect yeah. is is the difference between artful writing and not artful writing and so the vast majority of people who call themselves artists are not they're they're coaches. They're they're in, you know they're teachers. They're a lot of di- their their writing is doing a lot of different things, but it's not making people cry because the sentence was beautiful. Yeah. And that's like I mean, that that's an that's an extreme, but that's that's artistic. The word has been bastardized in the way that so so many words have in our culture. I mean, like in 2019, calling yourself a storyteller means you work in advertising, you know, and it used to mean that you wrote novels or screenplays and now it means you're like a you're an ad guy you know oh, i'm telling i'm telling your company's story i'm a storyteller yeah or you and, or you like filming commercials like oh yes i'm a yeah. storyteller via film no nope that's a commercial yeah you're just, yeah you're just selling stuff it's weird man every everything is um yeah well, everything I think is different people now. have because because creativity is much broader than artistry. And people mm-hmm. – so people want to be an artist because that feels – well, A, it feels undefined and people love that, especially you Enneagram 4 types. And, and it also it, – it also – nobody can pin you down. It's just it's, – it's very yeah. – and it feels elite. But if you do creative work, you can, you can write creative ad copy. You yeah, can write totally. A, you yeah. can write a creatively crafted sermon, although yeah. I would say don't try too hard to do that because you'll probably – just get suck off track. At it. Yeah, yeah, and suck at it. <laughs> but you can write a creatively crafted nonfiction Christian book, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be artful. I think artistry is a gift. Creativity, yeah. I think there's a there's a gift element. There's also a I can get better at this element, and it's a right. and just not all of us are artists. I don't know if I am. I think I, I hope that periodically I write a sentence or a paragraph that that has those elements in it. But my goal yeah. is to be a really good craftsman. And a, and a creative expressor of things, and maybe that tips into artistry. But I don't think I'm an artist. And I, and I think most people who call themselves artists would be more accurate if they said, I try to do creative work. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Ronald, any, uh, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I, it might be a little too nuanced for me, but I actually, I don't, I don't disagree with anything Pipe said. You know, I think it's, uh, I think there's, a, there's a lot of truth in that. And you know, I think just the the available mediums now that we have in terms of like doing something creative, having you know our, our social networks see or hear what we do, it's kind of perpetuated the myth of you know everybody's an artist, everybody's a creative type. And I mean, there was a time when to even get your material out into the marketplace or in view of people um, that in its that in and of itself was part of the creative process. Right. It was, man, how do I do this? How do I get you know, where do I find my first break and how do I meet the right people and how do I you know, how how do I uh, how do I maneuver this in a way that people are actually going to hear my expression? So, man, I, I think just the. And just the availability of getting things out there, whatever that means, has just sort of cheapened the medium as a whole a little bit. 
And um, I mean, there's a lot of people that write a lot about that now because the, just the availability of everything. And, and sure. so that's just that's kind of made everything very non-exclusive. And um, and to me, art had, you know, the, when you look back, there was more of an exclusive exclusivity about, you know, hey, the part of the part of the way this person got even discovered and founded um, you know, for the art that they create was, was, was this process. And that's even part of the story of how their, you know, art came into being. And so again, all of that has been lost in some ways. And so we've mm-hmm. kind of cheapened it, which I think goes back to a lot of what, what pipe was saying for sure. You know, just yeah, baby, I think out. I missed that exclusivity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah I think for sure. I was, certain things used to be special, you know, I was thinking about that when you were talking about sort of the, like, I don't even know if I should keep doing this and, and resonating with it a little bit, you know, there, mm-hmm. even just, even just thinking about something as mechanical as web traffic, you know, yeah. seven, 10 years ago, if you were, if you wrote online, so whether it was an article or you were a blogger or mm-hmm. whatever, there was just a, you knew you could get traffic if you could do a decent job. Yeah. And I, you know, and so there was a period of time where if somebody's like, how do I get started as a writer? The most natural thing to say was Go go start writing online. Like start a blog, yeah. something. That's a complete waste of time now. It's not a complete waste mm-hmm. of time from an, like a practice standpoint. Like sure, you know, doing getting your reps in, but nobody's going to see it unless yeah. it, it's very very hard to get noticed. And I think that is the probably the most discouraging aspect of writing right now is you do the best you can. You hope it's good work and you go, how do I even get this in front of people? And somebody yeah. like the three of us, we probably have more accessibility to get in front of people because we have podcasts or social media platforms, not you, Ted, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, just the connections we have having done this for a while. And it's still discouraging. Totally. Like I'm, I'm already thinking, I'm already tired of marketing a book that I haven't even written yet. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, exactly. I, you know, what, what are ways that I can do that without just being part of the, like the cacophony of noise saying, read my stuff, read my stuff, read my stuff. I don't know how to it's do too that. much stuff. I mean, I was talking to this, I was talking to the VP of, and there's a reason for this. So it's not going to sound how it does, but the VP of new growth press, have you heard of that publisher? Yeah. Never uh, heard of them, baby. Okay. Yeah. They so do, they do a lot of like, uh, a lot of the counseling books associated with like CCEF and stuff. Paul, yeah, like Paul with them informational a lot. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. But anyway, yeah. she said, she made this comment cause I don't, I'm not a stats guy, but she said, um, if you go back 20 years ago, she said to today, she said, we, there are four times as many books written, the same amount of books are being sold as that were being sold mm. to ago and that's, so she said that's not exactly 20 years dude. more books are being sold now that's 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 a, i think that's an incorrect statistic maybe they have flat sales but by like industry-wide there are books more books being sold but not four times as many well again those stats are never literal in my mind but um nevertheless it was it was still you know it's still the same like it hasn't it, it's not four times as many because because there's that much more product it doesn't mean that product's all being sold either yeah and i think it's just it just kind of shows more of the uh the the glut, you know? Yeah, dude, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm not looking for a specific number here, but like how many of your friends have book deals? Like all my friends have book deals and I'm not friends with writers. You know, I'm just friends <laughs> with who I want to be friends with. And now like 15 years later, they all got book deals. Like my thing isn't even special anymore, you know? And it's, it's just a, it's, it's one of those things that I think points to, well, maybe I'm drawn to a certain kind of person and the, the kind of person I'm drawn to, well, they tend I, to be But there's, writers, there's something but. to be said for that because and, – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk sounding just grotesquely egotistical, but I think we would all oh, agree. Yeah. I, I just did, so yeah. join the club. So if you're somebody who's good at writing, 
And I think yeah. all three of us would look like we would look at our work and say, yeah, I'm, I'm better at this than most people. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I, I think that's simply an objective statement. I don't think that's a I don't, I don't think I'm a better person than they are. I have any more value, but my work is better than their work. Mm-hmm. That's a really frustrating thing when you see people getting book deals who can't write or who are writing dumb stuff that's already been written or redundant stuff or it's the schlock that sells, but there's no craftsmanship in it whatsoever. That is really frustrating to me. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I've worked in publishing for close to 15 years and, and it's, it's just wash, rinse, repeat on that front. And it, yeah, that's an aggravating aspect, and it can be very demotivating because you know you said all your friends have book deals. Yeah, I know half a dozen people who have book deals, and I'm like, that no, I don't want to read your blog. I barely want to read your tweets, and yeah. and yet you have a book deal because because publishers are caught up in the manic cycle of this too. It's it's yeah. a market driven thing much more than a filter driven thing in terms of for sure. No publisher has the leeway to stop and say nope. We're only going to publish the books we believe in. Oh, yeah. Totally. And it's and, a it's it's a who you know it too. Uh, I mean, all these industries are, are there's a there's a high who, you know. Yeah, aspect totally. To it as and well. to be clear, I mean, I think my friends can write, but maybe I mean, maybe this is the ultimate Enneagram four thing where it's like, OK, everybody's doing my thing now. I have to find a new thing. It's you not know, a special. Like, yeah, it, lose, it yeah. loses its, its uh, speciality. Yeah, dude, that could be it. That could honestly be it. Yeah. Um, you know, and who who knows what the next thing will be. That's a whole other conversation, though, isn't it? Like, it I would really like is. It, I would like it more if less people were doing it because it would make what I'm doing a little more, more special. special. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. That makes us the worst. We sound like we sound like terrible people. We sound like artists. Well, you're just, yeah, we do, man. You're just going to back yourself into a corner or into isolation. You, you will probably end up exceptionally frustrated because – the means of doing anything creative today have like the bar has lowered so much and the accessibility has, yeah. has increased so much. Anybody can be a videographer. Anybody can be a visual artist. And I don't mean that they can be good at it. I just mean they can do it and, as sure. we've seen with writing. So like, there's nothing special anymore. The only way to be yeah. special is to be, is to do better work than other people. Yeah. And that's, and but then you can't stand out because there's right. a, if there, doing better there's work a, than a billion other people, books. Right, it doesn't guarantee an audience. Right, you know, well, but that's I mean, always been the case. There's, oh, there are yeah. books right now that none of us have ever heard of. That if we could go back a hundred years and find it, something that was published by some publishing company that sold nine copies, and we picked it up, and we would say this is the greatest thing I've ever read, and nine yeah. people read it. You know, I mean, yeah. that's always the that is always going to exist. So in that way, in that sense, um, you know, the the best art, the best creative. The, the best creativity doesn't always rise to to the top either. You know, you have to do it because you want to do it at the end of the day, regardless of who receives it, who hears it, who reads it. Um, so it, it kind of goes back to the, uh, the, the artist or the creative person at the end of the day. Do you want to do right. it because you want to do it? All right, baby. One last question. Um, and this is going to, this is going to hit close to home. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just uh, introduced my my son, my oldest son, to the wonderful world of the John Wick movies. So we watched John Wick one and two, and then we we capped That's it off. Because you're capped- a good dad. Well, <laughs> I think I'm a terrible dad. But you're you're we, great. Uh, too. You're the greatest dad of all time. We capped off the experience by checking out John Wick three in the theater. So my my question to you, Ronald, is: Are the John Wick movies art? If you, if you're the screenwriter, are you calling yourself an artist? I mean, dude, I. 
those kind of movies are my least favorite. I, I, yeah, those are my least kind of favorite movies in the world. But let me just say this. Big M, my wife, likes those kind of movies. That's yeah. how we're different and what makes me even more special. Um, but she wanted to see John Wick 3. We watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got to the ninth scene and the 19th scene and the 90th scene, which was the same <laughs> fight scene as the first scene, uh-huh. um, which is why uh-huh. I don't like movies like that. They're all the same. Um, you know, I got to admit, I, I at one point like just sat back and I thought, man, like there, there is kind of, there is an art to this, isn't there? The way yeah. they're like filming it and the way they had to choreograph it. And so, yeah, I, I, I think they're Maybe. already, here's I what, here's, I think they're already too. Here's where I think the artistry comes in in the John Wick movies, the interior spaces, that like too, all three all of those movies element of it and, dude and right that. like the the bars the hotel rooms they have the most satisfying yeah. interior spaces i think of any movie franchise in recent if, memory it's like me. not my it's not my art of choice but that just sure. because it's not my art of choice doesn't make it less arty i mean we all have That's our right. preferences with art but i can recognize it as art yeah. if, if i could nerd out a little bit i i love the john wick movies i haven't seen john wick three yet because I had to rewatch one and two just to make sure I was up to speed and, and kind of filled in. The thing that stood out to me is the there's a ton of kind of artistic elements in their like their world building, their storytelling. Oh, yeah. Because yep. most right. action movies are, are simply built around action. And certainly John yeah. Wick is mostly built around him just destroying people. But the you've got the Continental Hotel, you've got the these ones in different in different um, continents you've got these yeah. different there's like different levels and roles and how all this thing fits together and it feels very intricate and the whole thing makes you go i want to know the backstory to this like yeah. when you watch the fast and the furious movies you go you don't want to watch you don't you this you're here for you're here for the explosions and the car races and whatever you don't there's no backstory you don't care or they like yeah. ham-handedly tell you the backstory and they're like well when <laughs> i was in prison you know and uh-huh. john wick does an entirely different thing it feels like it feels like there's a lot of story that's untold, but they've told you enough that that you you get it, but you're also like, but what else? And that's you know a, that's a whole you know, different that's a whole different kind of thing. What's fascinating about that is I always reread reviews after I watch something, and the reviews I've read on John Wick three. What, it's funny you say that, Pipe, because what they're saying is all those things you said about John Wick, there's, the third one has not gotten great reviews. They've said no, it lacked sort of that that world building quality and element that the first two had it was too much action it just was kind of all like just well, dude, bloody yeah it's, it yeah. seemed to me it seemed like a just a placeholder before john wick four kind, kind of like I how that, that too i read that kind of like how with prestige tv nowadays like and i noticed this with Mad Men way back in the day but but also with some other shows like you'll you'll get an episode that's just a banger and then you'll have kind of a placeholder and then you'll have another banger and it's and it's sort of like this one felt like the placeholder to me yeah, um, but I mean, it was still enjoy. Isn't that sort of the nature of artistic work? Like, no artist does a masterpiece every time. There's a lot of like, yeah, you know, we know the masterpieces because they hang in museums or they are bestsellers or whatever. But then there's all the other stuff that's like those are filed away in an archive under like other papers or you know <laughs> yeah. they they yeah. were sold at some subpar gallery for you know pennies somewhere. And that I think that's that no nobody doing creative work is always at peak performance. It's the yeah. Bridezilla of Christ of our career, baby. <laughs> Bridezilla was our John Wick three, you know, <laughs> as opposed to the as our, opposed to the other two. How many yeah, listeners? How many listeners are absolutely rolling their eyes that we are we are bringing a conversation? We're bringing John Wick into a meaningful conversation about art. 
you know what? It works, man. The 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 analogy works, and doggone it, I'm uh, I'm sticking by it. I think Keanu Reeves is an artist too. I've I've never liked Keanu Reeves more than in the John Wick movies. Yeah, nice guy. Yes, that is a hundred percent true. He was a nice know, guy. The Matrix was was kind of his previous peak, but I think the John Wick movies are a better Keanu performance. Oh, hundred percent. Can we end this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Are you bored, baby, or you just gotta go? No, I just gotta go because I'm having fun. Good, good. I'm, I'm having. Just... I'm not having a great time. I actually. No, 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 no. I wanted you to be having fun too. Said, usually I, that's I just... a Ted request because Ted's like, and I don't care anymore. No, I actually cared about this. I love this. We got to have more like this. I dug Dude, it me up. too. This has been good. This has been really good. So what I'm going to do is say that we have wandered to and fro, uh, as we often do throughout these topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Because right? sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.